Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here for today's episode that is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to builtbar.com and use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get $10 off your first order. And as promised yesterday, we have got a guest here today. He is maybe the number one expert in the, in the draft, in the NBA draft. If he's not the number one expert, he's right up there. He, he brings can't-miss stuff. Right throughout the NBA season, you find his work over at The Athletic on the NBA Draft, on college basketball, on the NBA in general. And also, and I'm sure he'll be able to let us know more about this, but I saw yesterday his podcast, The Game Theory Pod, might have moved over to The Athletic as well. Of course, it's Sam Fasini. Sam, thanks for taking the time. Kane, how you doing, man? Yeah, that's uh, it's accurate. We, uh, Yeah, there was a... We came to an agreement, I think is the exact terminology <laughs> I'm allowed to use uh, from The Athletic on my podcast moving over there. So yeah, I'm pumped about it. It's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a really great thing. I, I love working over at The Athletic and uh, I'm very, very lucky to have a place that kind of gives you the freedom that they do and really uh, cares about its employees in the way that it does. Well, you know, in sports, anytime you can say we came to an agreement, it's uh, it's typically a good thing. So <laughs> congratulations on getting that podcast over there. But before we get to the basketball stuff and the Bucks, uh, your, your wife is Australian uh, from Coburg. Just up the absolutely road. correct. <laughs> just up the road from where I live. And you're an Australian football fan. We were just talking about the footy a little bit before we started recording. So uh, that officially puts you in the good bloke category. We are, we are going to get along uh, just fine here. Oh yeah, no, I uh, I am an enormous, enormous Australian football fan. I have watched every Essendon game probably for, let's see, my wife and I have been together for six years now for seven football seasons, and I've probably watched every Essendon game for the last five years, I would say. So I've tried to, when I've been in Milwaukee, I've had a bunch of people, um, my friends and Eric Naomi, your colleague over at The Athletic, was certainly one of them that has watched. I've dragged them along to watch Geelong games. How long, and we're going to move on from the footy, but how long did it take you to to feel comfortable about this game? Because for me, trying to explain it to uh, my friends over in the US, I find it very difficult without sitting down and watching it and talking through it. Yeah, my, uh, it took me not a lot of time to take to it. Like I really enjoyed it immediately. I am someone who it's kind of similar to basketball to me where I am someone that likes like up and down kinetic energy uh, within sport, like the NFL, like with, uh, you know, American football. It's not that I dislike it necessarily. Like I'm happy to sit down and watch an NFL game, but I am less interested in it because of like, there is a play that takes seven seconds. They take 35 seconds off seven seconds, yeah. 30 seconds off, right? Um, 
I want the frenetic energy of it. So I loved it immediately. It took, my wife would like yell at me because my wife is, you know, been an Essendon member for God, <laughs> you know, since she was born. And it, she was like, no, that's not like, I'd bring up these things and she'd be like, no, that's not what you do. It took me, it didn't take me long to learn the rules. Yeah. But like I was trying to figure out like, okay, why doesn't, like some American player playing basketball in Europe, just come and like be the best rock. And then it took me like a year to realize, Oh no, that that's not how this works. And now, <laughs> I mean, Mason Cox is, you know, a borderline first team player for Collingwood, but you know, certainly not uh, anywhere near the best tall or best rock in the competition. So it's just like, okay, this, this game might be harder than we thought. Right. Uh, okay. As Americans watching it. Yeah, but the skill level, the body control, the physicality, the power, the endurance um, that those athletes have, it's just absolutely, uh, it's its remarkable to watch. And I would say that, um, you know, there, there are times where I enjoy watching Australian football more than I even enjoy watching basketball. Uh, it's, you know, probably my favorite or second favorite sport. We are here to talk about basketball and I want to dive straight into the NBA draft such a weird period and I, I don't know how you've been managing this uh, working through what normally would have been a really really busy period for you the NBA draft obviously now looks like it's going to take place in October uh, a long way away from the usual June time slot you're talking to teams you're talking to agents you're talking to the people involved here what are you finding that teams are doing in regards to scouting has basically everything ground to a halt with no basketball going on uh, how are the teams approaching this because it's it's a very very weird situation obviously so yeah what well, we are now like three months and you know two weeks or three months in a week away from when the draft is going to be and if you put that in the context of a normal draft calendar when the draft is June 25th or whatever. I think it was June 25th this year is what the originally scheduled date was. Uh, that would be something like March 25th. So we would still be in the middle of the NCAA tournament right now. And NBA executives would be going out and seeing guys, but they wouldn't be having guys in for interviews yet. They wouldn't be, you know, really diving deep on a lot of the stuff. They'd just be doing their research and then going from there. Um, because we're now still so far away from when the draft is going to be, uh, there has been a significant pause in terms of teams doing meetings with players in terms of, uh, you know, teams really sitting down and, you know, making substantial changes to their board and really evaluating all of these guys. It's not to say that like they aren't doing it on a daily basis, but they are, uh, they're slowing down on it for now and they'll pick back up. They're having, they're moving some guys over to free agency prep. They're moving some guys over, um, you know, to scouting to get prepared for the season again. Right. So, yeah. uh, there are a lot of competing priorities right now. Uh, and the draft has taken just a slight back burner in a lot of front offices. They've already completed a lot of interviews, uh, you know, most teams have gone through the process, particularly with a lot of their, uh, you know, let's say, you know, potential second round, potential undrafted free agent guys. Those types of players have already gone through, you know, 20 plus interviews in many cases uh, that they went through following the end of the college basketball season. I would say 
really up until the end of May is when that was really starting to, um, you know, percolate in terms of uh, interviews happening at a wide, wide scale. But right now we're just in a holding pattern and, um, you know, I'm talking to teams and just trying to, trying to figure out and navigate this mess as best we can. All right, Sam, let me jump in now and tell you and the listeners a little bit more about our friends over at rockauto.com. Rock Auto is a family business serving auto parts customers online and they've been doing so for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals as they are for do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Just go to rockauto.com, see all the parts that are available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. That's locked on in the how did you hear about us box and they'll know you came from us. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So the Bucks actually find themselves in a, in a kind of interesting position where they've obviously had a 60-win season last year on that uh, pace this year, but they find themselves with a kind of reasonable pick considering where they've been through the sign-and-trade with Malcolm Brogdon. When you look at a team like the Bucks and where they're at, uh, obviously the, the big question mark around the whole roster surrounds uh, Giannis and what he's going to do. Uh, I always feel like saying this summer, but this off-season, this October, whatever that may be, if he decides... Uh, to extend with the Bucks. So uh, as far as the draft goes, last year didn't have a pick at all. When you look at the roster, just a, on a broad perspective, is there any uh, need or fit that you see, keeping in mind that they're not really in a position where a, a late first rounder typically would come in and, and be a real impact player for a contending team? Yeah, you know, if I was them, I would be looking at the lead guard spot yeah. uh, pretty substantially. It, it's you know, Eric Bledsoe obviously had a great year. We know that Eric is blossomed into one of the absolute best defenders uh, in the NBA. The way that he's uh, able to fight through screens within their defense is so essential to what they do within their uh, drop coverage scheme. But this will get answered during the playoffs. We yeah. now, unfortunately, have a sample of Eric struggling in the context of uh, – performing with this Milwaukee Bucks team in the playoffs. Uh, we saw it uh, in 2018 uh, during that uh, singular series. And then we saw it uh, obviously last year as well when he shot like 41% from the field and 24% from three. So the Eric Bledsoe question is going to get answered in the playoffs, I think certainly. So the Bucks aren't going to necessarily be flying blind uh, in regard to the draft, but if I was them, I would certainly be doing my heavy due diligence on lead guards because even if Eric does uh, really step up and prove himself as a guy that they can trust in the playoffs, despite the last couple of years, you know, look like George Hill has had a phenomenal year. Uh, I think well above and beyond what anyone could have anticipated. I mean, George Hill is what I believe 32, 33 years old. Yeah. Uh, you know, 
the backup point guard position there is going to be a need long term, especially given that George is very capable of sliding over to the two anyway. And then they have to deal on the wing with the Pat Connaughton and Sterling Brown situations this summer anyway. So if I was them, I'd be looking at the lead guard spot. Uh, this is a great draft for lead guards. I think they have a chance and an opportunity to pick up someone that could be really valuable to their organization going forward. And then additionally, if Giannis Antetokounmpo does decide to leave in free agency, I would imagine they're going to have to go back to a bit more of a traditional, you know, we have a point guard that initiates offense, offense, and you know, getting a guy that could potentially be a long-term answer there, I think would really be beneficial for the organization going forward. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because that's typically, uh, or that's basically where I'm at when it comes to the Bucks and needs uh, this uh, in, in, in this coming season, but also moving forward. You mentioned the fact that regardless of what happens, Eric Bledsoe and George Hill are both, uh, I say on the wrong side of 30. One time I, I was writing a feature on, Ersan Ilyasova for Bucks.com and I had the wrong side of 30 about Ersan and, and I got an email to say, we've just edited the wrong side of 30 out there. There's no wrong side of 30. We don't want you to say that about the players, but uh, those two guys are uh, over 30 years old. So let's just say that. So there's no doubt that the, the guard position is going to be a point of need for them moving forward. So you mentioned that there's a couple of guys here. I've got your latest big board up here i'm looking from the 14 to 25 range uh, here on my computer i'm not going to throw any names because let's be honest i am not the expert here what what type of guys are we looking at that could potentially uh, fall in that range keeping in mind that the bucks uh, they're going to be looking in that pick 18 19 20 range uh, depending on what happens here down in disney yeah and i'll try and uh you know keep it relatively brief on <laughs> this response so i think the guy that is they should be most excited potentially falling is the guy that I have at number 12, Kyra Lewis. Uh, he would be a perfect fit for everything that they do. He can play both on and off ball, really can push the tempo at times due to his blinding speed, really improved as a uh, live ball decision maker and ball handler and half court player this year. I think he is like the home run pick for the Bucks if he ends up falling there. Tyrese Maxey is kind of a combo guard out of Kentucky, you know, 19 years old, six foot three, Six foot six ish wingspan. Uh, struggled to shoot the three this year, but most evaluators believe at some point he is going to shoot the ball. Uh, not really, in my opinion, a true point guard, but someone that because he's a really good on ball defender and because of his ability to drive uh, within half court settings, I think could probably play a pretty credible point guard next to a Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, next, I would say like RJ Hampton would make an interesting fit for Milwaukee if only because again more of a combo guard that probably shades toward the two position as opposed to the one position but the kind of athlete that Milwaukee has had a lot of success developing he has a great first step uh, he's very fluid has terrific body control but I mean I, I don't know how much you followed the NBL this year because you were over in Milwaukee for a while but like I mean RJ Hampton, I, I thought his tape was atrocious in the NBL this year. Uh, he just wasn't ready for the competition level, which is fine. Most college basketball players and 18 and 19-year-olds aren't ready to play professional basketball as teenagers. You know, not everyone is LaMelo Ball. So I think that, you know, given that RJ is known as a very, very good worker, given that he is uh, 
someone that has been highly regarded in the past. It'll be interesting to see where his stock kind of falls throughout the process. Is he a guy that ends up going, you know, later in the lottery? Is he a guy that falls to the 20 range around where Milwaukee is? I think that there are some uh, interesting uh, outcomes there potentially. And then, you know, Trey Jones, I'm not sure Trey Jones makes a ton of sense unless that you really buy into him shooting off the bat or off of the catch. Uh, and he's a really good initiator, uh, really unselfish player, great defender that would fit exceptionally well in Milwaukee's defensive scheme due to his ability to fight through screens in the way that he pressures at the point of attack. But you really have to buy into him catching and spacing next to Giannis. Otherwise, uh, it gets a little bit complicated with his fit. And then, you know, I really will rapid fire just some other names now. You know, Tyrell Terry out of Stanford is arguably the best shooter in this draft class. Uh, you know, very, very small, might not be ready to play immediately, but I think he could make some sense. Uh, Cassius Winston is one of the absolute best shooters. I think that once we start getting into these names, though, the, the Bucks would almost be better off trading down. Uh, yeah. And I think there is a case, by the way, for Milwaukee to try and trade down and look toward the backup point guard position uh, while additionally picking up an extra asset. So it's interesting. You mentioned uh, RJ Hampton there. I, I went to or I moved back to Milwaukee just after Christmas. So I, I did get to catch him live a couple of times, albeit one of those games. He was ejected in the first five minutes. So just as I was walking Love to it. my seat, <laughs> literally, and it was kind of cool because I knew that I was going to the game to write about him anyway. So once I walked in, uh, he was basically getting thrown out as I was walking to my seat. So I didn't see anything of him for the entire game, but I knew I had my story done. So uh, that was that was the that was the bonus there. I could write about him getting thrown out of the game. But uh, I agree. I mean, it was difficult. I mean, for him, and he's the only guy I can really speak to. Uh, I think that he would be more of a, a project. I'm not sure he walks into the NBA and makes an impact next season. Uh, we saw that last year with him playing professional ball, and and wasn't in the Lamelo situation where it's like, here's the ball, go do what you want to do. Uh, he, he tried to fit into a system, and and the New Zealand breakers in general were a bit of a mess. So it was a it was well, a total disaster. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just a really difficult spot for for him to be in. I will say there was the second game that I saw him play. There was a five minute patch, and again, small sample size, but it was a five minute patch where he really controlled the game. And I was I was like, okay, yeah, he he looks like uh, he he's got some point guard tendencies. I would say in in terms of driving, kick, driving, dish, uh, drive and finish at the basket. So he's he's certainly athletic, and I would say. Um, he has the size that the Bucks have over the years generally looked at uh, in terms of um, uh, having that length and defensive versatility that that maybe uh, would be someone that they would look to. But uh, certainly by the sounds of it, particularly those first two guys with Lewis, Ju- uh, Lewis Jr. and, and Maxi as well, uh, what's the chance <clears throat> you've got them on your big board at 12 and 13? I mean, is there a realistic chance that they're going to last that long anyway in, uh, in your opinion? I would say that there is a, I mean, fuck, I'm just going to put like a random number on it, I <laughs> <Yeah>. guess. Like, <laughs> it's a tough uh, question. Yeah, like I would say there's probably like a 35% chance that yeah. one of those two gets to 19. Um, I don't know that I'd say it's totally likely, but I do think that it's like genuinely within the world of outcomes. Okay, something to look forward to for Bucks fans as you start to look at some of these prospects. Uh, you've got plenty of time, let's be honest. You've got plenty of time before the draft to, to get that in. All right, Sam, I don't know if you're a bobblehead fan, but I'm recording this podcast with my Andrew Bogut bobblehead staring directly at me, and it looks absolutely nothing like him. But that's not a problem you will have when you go to Bubbles Galore. Bubbles Galore is 
the leading retailer in the country. They have a vast inventory of bobbleheads from all major sports leagues, including our teams, the Packers, the Brewers, and the Bucks. They're officially licensed by the NBA, MLB, and NFL. Right now, in limited quantities, you know they have the triple MVP Wisconsin bobblehead that showcases Aaron Rodgers, Christian Yelich, and, of course, Giannis. They also have the Greek flag Giannis bobblehead, so go and check that one out. Bobbles Galore can make custom bobbleheads for any occasion or event. Just visit www.bobblesgalore.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive free shipping. That's bobblesgalore.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get free shipping. The other guy I wanted to talk about today who is is on the Bucks roster, Dante DiVincenzo. Now, you've been doing a pretty cool project over the last few weeks, and I, I guess I'll let you explain it so I don't get any of this wrong, but you've been working on a series related to the rookie-scale contracted players in the NBA. You've done a bunch of uh, different stories, team rankings, individual rankings. Uh, how did this project come about, and, and what, what were you tr- uh, looking at uh, achieving with, with this and, and with these rankings? So it was basically right after I got married in August, went on my honeymoon in September and got back. Uh, and I was kind of looking for a new project, right? And I kind of realized that, you know, we have prospect rankings in the NHL and hockey in America. We have prospect rankings like fan graphs with baseball will rank every prospect in a team's farm system. We don't really have, like until I did this, we didn't really have organizational rankings of prospects within baseball or within basketball. I'm sorry. And that was kind of like the genesis of the idea. And I had to figure out like, where do I make the cutoff? Do I do it based off of age or do I base it off of experience level? I kind of decided on, you know, experience level and really decided based off of first contracts. Cause I thought that that was probably uh, a bit more, I don't know. There's something about like a guy getting onto a second contract that I feel like uh, removes them from prospectum Mm -hmm. in a way. um, Once they sign like Fred Van Vliet's probably like the prime example of this, like Fred Van Vliet uh, this summer is going to be signing his third contract uh, and signed like a two year, $16 million deal. uh, You know what? In 20 summer of 2018, so I was just like, is this guy like really a prospect anymore? <laughs> I don't think so. But then the antithesis of that is like Pascal Siakam is like 26 years old and isn't a prospect either really anymore. He's already like a borderline all NBA player. How do you kind of mesh the two of them? It, it's complicated and difficult and, you know, it's certainly not perfect. I don't think we have a perfect way to you know, say who a prospect is in the NBA and who isn't. But I decided basically I would make the cutoff. Guys who are on their first contract if they weren't first-round picks or uh, guys who are on rookie-scale deals uh, that were first-round picks. And, uh, yeah, just kind of ranked everyone within their own organization. I did team-by-team rankings where, you know, New Orleans, I think, very clearly has the best group of prospects in the NBA and uh, Milwaukee is somewhere down near the bottom. And then uh, I decided to rank the top 50 prospects uh, in the NBA as well. 
Yeah, so these team rankings, the Bucks not not surprisingly came in twenty seven. Uh, Dante Divincenzo, obviously the lead guy there, and then you have uh, Sterling Brown coming into restricted free agency. DJ Wilson was there as well, and the two way guys. So look, there's not a lot to work with when you're talking about uh, rookie scale guys uh, on the Bucks, and even someone like Sterling Brown or DJ Wilson that in the past Bucks fans have felt pretty optimistic about. We've seen. As the team's won games, they've sort of fallen out of favour in the rotation, particularly DJ Wilson. Maybe a year ago, there might have been more optimism, but you bring in Robin Lopez. That clearly affected his minutes with the team. So that made sense. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, like I had DJ Wilson number one on their list coming into the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that that absolutely would not surprise me at all. Bucks fans would be in the same boat. A lot of Bucks fans anyway. Your individual rankings were really interesting. Now, let me just preface this by saying I DM Sam and I said, I am not here to put you on blast. Don't worry about this. But it's an interesting discussion to have. You did your 50 uh, players, so uh, 50 individuals, one to 50 ranked uh, these players. You had them into six tiers. And uh, again, correct me if I've got anything wrong here, but you had franchise players that could be number one on a title team. Uh, then you had potential Hall of Fame players and you had multi-time all-stars, high-level starters, higher upside prospects and starting caliber players. Uh, now, you know, Dante DiVincenzo this season in particular has become a, a spot starter. He's become a guy that Bud uh, really, really trusts. And probably more, more than anything, he's remained healthy, which has been big for him. That was the struggle, <laughs> that's, that was the struggle he had coming into the rookie season, uh, coming through the rookie season. So he, he didn't make your top 50, though. And I, I know, uh, and you would know this, Bucks, fan, Bucks fans are so high on, on his uh, future and what he might be able to do for this franchise and, and in the league. So uh, talk us through how you went about these rankings and, and ultimately uh, we'll focus on Dante here and why uh, he missed out on this top 50. Yeah. So once you get to the last tier there, right? Like Dante is somewhere in that last tier. Dante yeah. could have very easily slotted in at 47 or 48. Right. Uh and I wouldn't bat an eye. Like if, if Bucks fans want to put him above <laughs> Luke Kennard or something yeah. like that, where, um, you know, Kennard averaged 16 or 18 points a game for a bad team and has injury history uh, and is, I want to say, one or two years older, uh, I would totally get that. Like I'm not going to sit here and like argue about, uh, you know, Dante versus Luke Kennard, I think that both opinions are totally rational and reasonable. I think that Luke has shown more in terms of the ability to uh, potentially carry an offense through spurts, which is why I defaulted yeah. to him. But uh, now I'm just comparing two white guys, uh, and I didn't purposely do that when I started this conversation. <laughs> By the way, he's 23, but, Luke Kennard. Is that like, I, I don't know why. Like, I know that he hasn't been in the league for a long time, but it's still surprising to me. I feel like he should be 26 or 27. I, I don't know. Well, it was funny too, like when he was at Duke, if I remember correctly, like he was kind of an older freshman as well. So like I think of it, like I always think of him as being a little bit older than he is, despite the fact that he's only been in the league three years and realistically has probably only played like a year and a half worth of games so far due to his injury history. Um, So yeah, no, like I think Dante is very much within that final tier. Ultimately, I decided to go with guys who I think Uh, are either a little bit younger or have like a little bit more upside athletically, a little bit more upside potentially carrying offense. But in the case of Dante, you know, what what Dante has shown so far is certainly uh, the competitiveness level that we all kind of grew to love with him as a prospect. Um, You know, everyone kind of knows that that dude just has 
no fear. He, he's not intimidated by anybody uh, in the NBA, just straight up. Uh, <laughs> he is someone that when he gets going as a shooter, uh, certainly can really get hot and really, you know, I don't think he can quite carry an offense through stretches, but I do think that he can, um, you know, have a few possessions in a row where, you know, you go to him, you have him create something. Maybe it's a step back jumper. Maybe it is a, um, a drive toward the rim where he has really underrated explosiveness. Like uh, he is just straight up an athlete. Like, you know, this, there's none of this, like, Dante is sneaky athletic stuff because he's like a white dude. Like Dante is straight up an athlete. He is uh, explosive and has that ability to get all the way to the basket and finish above the rim. He also showed a lot defensively this year too, I think. Uh, He is a high effort, high energy player who is really taken to what Milwaukee is trying to do defensively where they have their guards really fight over the top uh, and they have their, you know, guards really pressure at the point of attack. Ultimately, I I don't really know that I see a crazy amount of upside with Dante necessarily. Um, He is still somewhere in the range of six foot three, six foot four. Uh, He is someone that has shown himself to be a relatively inconsistent shooter throughout the course of his career. Uh, Ultimately, I think for him to make a list like that next year, and he honestly, like given the amount of people that will graduate and given how shitty this upcoming 2020 NBA draft is, he might end up on the list coming into next year (laughs) as a top 50 prospect near the end. Um, But to like raise up and make that leap into the next level of player, he's really going to have to iron out the shooting consistency. Uh, I really liked some of the, you know, driving reads as a passer that he made this year. He plays a really unselfish brand of basketball, but I think there's even more room for him to grow as a ball handler, uh, breaking down defenders going forward. And then continuing to bring that same effort and intensity defensively as his offensive role continues to grow. Because right now, a lot of what he's asked to do is just go out there and provide energy. Uh, And he is certainly exceptional at doing that. But I'm not 100% sure that I'm there in terms of the upside of Dante yet, uh, beyond him being like a good spot starter, sixth man kind of guy. So, yeah, I want to ask you about the good team bump in in just a little bit because few of the guys we saw at Golden State over the years. But in terms of when you talk about him defensively, uh, he certainly fits what they're trying to do perfectly. And I always say he's a defensive wild card because he he does those unrecordable acts, whether it's deflections, uh, whether it's just he's always trying to jump the passing lane. And in a a lot of ways, on a team that wasn't as disciplined or isn't as disciplined as the Bucs defensively, uh, he could make some plays that could end up hurting you. I mean, he he, yep. he certainly takes a chance uh, defensively. He's not necessarily a guy that's straight up one-on-one. Uh, you would say he's an elite defender, but he's an impact player and he, he uh, changes games. And and with the Bucks and with the guys that they surround him with, uh, he's been obviously pretty effective when, according to cleaning the glass, when you look at his steal percentage is in the 94th percentile, uh, offensive rebounding percentage 92nd, defensive rebounding percentage 98. So he does the things that he's asked to do really well. I think offensively, as you said, the shot has been a concern. Uh, I think for Bucks fans, 26% in his rookie season, up to 34% this year, but consistency is is obviously going to be the key. The one thing I will say is, and it's kind of hard to 
remember this game now because it happened right before the season shut down. But that game at Staples Center against the Lakers that was, you know, billed as the the MVP swinging game between LeBron and Giannis. Dante, in the third quarter of that game when the Bucs were really just struggling to keep their head above water, uh, he had 13 points in the third quarter, the only Bucs player that could actually score. And it was interesting to see him uh, we saw this confidence build throughout the season, but he was doing what you were sort of mentioning there. He was putting the ball on the floor, getting to the rack, finishing against a, a pretty elite defense at, at the rim. So I'm um, seeing that type of development, I think, is going to be key for him moving forward uh, to sort of determining where that ceiling is for him. Well, and it's, yeah, it's consistency offensively too. Yeah. Like there are very few guys in the NBA in backcourts right now um, that can't string together moments like that right yeah. uh someone like anthony simons like strings together moments like that you know pretty regularly malik beasley strings together moments like that pretty regularly like josh Akoji uh in minnesota who is frankly not a very good offensive player in my opinion a great defensive player but you know not someone that you're ever gonna you know say hey put me on my back put us on yeah. your back for you know, four minutes in a game, like he scored 17 points, 18 points, 16 points, you know, 23 points in a game this year already. Like there are guys that, um, that we don't even consider quote unquote skilled by NBA standards, right. That can really produce uh, over single game stretches. And we just haven't seen that consistency yet from Dante uh, to where I feel comfortable saying, yeah, this guy's going to be uh, a starting caliber offensive player. Uh, once he starts putting those performances together and string them together one after another after another, which, you know, over his last four games, like, you know, it was double digits every game and was really, really useful until we start to see that over a longer period of time, um, you know, 20 straight games in double figures. You know, Cam Reddish was – pretty damn close to that near the end of the year for Atlanta. Uh, I, I would like to see that before getting over the moon about Dante's offensive upside. Yeah, and I do think that it's always challenging and, and it is difficult when you when you watch one team so closely, as you would know um, from your work over the years. But when you're such a good team and so dominant as the Bucks were, it can be hard to separate individuals from the system, uh, from the guys that they're playing yeah. up, up against. And, and the guys that I always think of, I think about the Golden State Warriors teams uh, over the years and guys like Pat McCaw and Jordan Bell and Ian Clark and these guys that really uh, were ca- came on and they were, uh, I, I guess, around the league. There was a bit of buzz about them as they went to other teams. And then we haven't really heard a, a lot from them. It certainly changes things uh, when you're not playing uh, within a as the Bucks were this year, almost a historic, certainly defense uh, team that they're in. So Dante, the challenge for him, I think you talk about being a starting level player. We know that he was a, the guy that Bud leaned on when Chris Milton was out, when Eric Bledsoe was out, he was the spot starter. And I think next year, uh, Wesley Matthews, we'll see what happens with him. I anticipate he'll probably be with the Bucks again, but Dante might be the guy that slides up into the starting uh, lineup there. So he's certainly going to get opportunities. And uh, I, I think again, uh, as I said, I mean, Bucks fans are very, very high on this guy. And I think for good reason. He played a, some good basketball within the system this year. Uh, we'll see whether he's able to take the next step. But as far as the NBA and Disney, before I let you go, I, I, I just wanted to get your feelings. The teams are going down there. The Bucks are arriving 
uh, today, uh, p- potentially right now as we are as we're recording here, as we're talking. So this feels like the first week to me feels like the absolute pivotal time for these teams. Uh, we know that the quarantine is, uh, you know, I mean, you feel however you feel about it. For me, 48 hours, I don't really understand what the point is of, of doing that. Yeah. Uh, it, it, to me, it just makes no sense. But this first week, in terms of getting this thing off the ground, teams are going to be practicing here in the next uh, couple of days. Uh, this, to me, feels like the absolute critical stage of this thing really getting going. Yeah. You know, I do think that this week's important. I think that there is going to be every effort to make this happen just because there's so much money at stake. Like, at the end of the day, yeah, yeah. We're, we're talking about a literal billions of dollars of difference whenever it comes to uh, if this season happens or not. Right. So I think there's going to be every indication uh, there is every indication and there's going to be every effort made to make this happen. And I won't be stunned when we see that there are some positive tests. And I, I would yeah. think that um, there will be, plenty of positive tests just the key is kind of recognizing that while I do think that this is ultimately like something that is superfluous to the disaster that has been the way that the United States has handled uh coronavirus so far right we can just call it what it is it's a total fucking nightmare um like the players and the league have come to an agreement that they want to try and make this happen. They are the ones absorbing the risk. They have chosen to do this because they feel that they want to complete a season and because they want the money that comes with the season and because they think that the, um, long-term effect of not having to tear up the CBA and enter into labor negotiations is a positive. They've made their decision to do this. And while I question it, it's ultimately kind of their call to make on this. So uh, I hope everything goes well uh, above and beyond what uh, the rest of the country is hoping I hope or is seeing. I hope that, uh, I I hope that the bubble itself is safer than the rest of Florida, which is a hot spot right now uh, within the United States. So uh, there's just a lot of, there's a lot going on here to where it's really hard for me to like, to come down on this saying like it should or shouldn't happen or, um, you know, what my, what my opinion is on if it will or won't happen. Like I know the, uh, uh, you know, I know the stakes involved and I know, you know, what players and teams think of it, but I, you know, we're in a totally uncharted territory here to where I think that making predictions about this thing is, you know, foolhardy in so many different ways. Yeah, no question. I mean, uh, ultimately, as you sort of pointed to, I mean, the responsibility lies with the NBA. But again, uh, you're right. I mean, this simply would not have happened if the players didn't want it to. So I, <laughs> I kind of feel strange when I when I say, well, I, I don't know how I personally feel about these guys being down there. But then uh, right. I remember, I remember the players they they wanted to do this, and certainly there's no question. There's some guys that are going to be uncomfortable 
uh, down there and, and probably felt pressured to go down there for, a, for a, a multitude of reasons. There's no doubt about that. But this thing is happening. Uh, I, uh, I feel pretty confident about that. And as I said, the Bucks are going to be down there today. By the time we speak to you guys again, uh, they would have already had a practice. So again, I mean, you talk about the, the short quarantine they're going to have down at Disney and then they'll be out on the floor and it's under two weeks until they're scheduled to play the Spurs in the first, uh, uh, air quotes, uh, preseason game down there at Disney. But Sam, I really appreciate it. I, I got onto you pretty late when we started talking some footy, but I appreciate you taking the time to, to come on the podcast. And again, uh, for everyone listening, if you didn't catch that series that uh, Sam's been doing with the, with the rookie, rookie scale stuff. It's, it's well worth your time. It's a, it's a fascinating read. Yeah. Thanks Kane. I'm happy to come on anytime, man. Uh, feel free to reach out whenever and you know, hopefully uh, your audience isn't still angry at me <laughs> for not throwing Dante on this list. I mean, it was, uh, I feel, I feel horrible. I, I so thoroughly enjoy watching Dante play. No, I, I think you said enough positive things about Dante on this pod that hopefully uh, they're back on board. If you don't follow Sam already, I'm sure you do. But if you do not, you can get him on Twitter at uh, Sam underscore Vecini. Follow his work over at The Athletic and check out uh, the Game Theory pod as well. As far as this podcast goes, we've got some stuff lined up next week. I've mentioned George Carl a couple of times. He just got onto me before this pod, so he's going to come back on uh, next week. And we'll, we'll have a few more details about what the Bucks are doing down at Disney, how they're looking how healthy they are as they head towards those opening games. So we look forward to that. Uh, For all the listeners, have a great weekend. Stay safe over there or wherever you are. And we'll catch you guys next week.